Glad y'all were listening. Um, this week we turn to the subject of peace. Um, we sang in that song uh, that the angels declare God's peace, that peace has come to the world. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning is that phrase about the gospel of peace. Um, there are several results that come from our salvation with Jesus Christ, and one of those is that we have peace with God. So we want to read about that from the text this morning. This is where we'll be doing the majority of our work. It comes from Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, just one verse. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip over there, or you can follow along with us on the screen. But let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, and it says these words. Here we go. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Um, so let's just talk about some of the results that come from having salvation through Jesus and that this peace that we're able to obtain. So let's take a look at this. Uh, we'll walk through this verse together. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace, that's our word, peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I had a professor in seminary who used to always say to us, if you ever are reading through the text and you find the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there you go, what it's there for. So apparently it connects to something going on before. Well, the reason why the word therefore is there is because Paul, for the first four chapters in Romans, has been talking to us about um, our giving our life to Christ and how Jesus, when we give our life to Christ, or to, to him, that he then deposits righteousness into our heavenly bank account so that uh, no longer does God look at us as unrighteous and he's holy, but now God, because of the blood of Jesus, looks at us as righteous people whom God can allow into heaven. And so since that's true, since we've been justified by faith in what Jesus has done for us, um, uh, so because we didn't do that for ourselves, God, God did that for us, um, now we have peace with God. But let's talk for just a moment about that word justified. It says that we've been justified. And you notice here that justification is not something that we hope we get. It's not something that we're praying that we get. But the Bible declares that justification is something that we have. It's not something that, we, um, that, we, that we're hoping will happen sometime out there, but rather it's something that we do have. And you'll notice that it says that it's only available through the Lord Jesus, that L. Ron Hubbard didn't give it to us, that Joseph Smith didn't give it to us, that Confucius didn't give it to us, that Buddha didn't give this justification between ourselves and God to us, but rather it's the Lord Jesus, his death on the cross, his bloodshed, which enables us to be justified. Now that word justified is a courtroom term, and basically it means that we've been acquitted of all charges. It means that whatever God had against us because of the sins we committed in this world, because that made us unrighteous because that made us unworthy to be able to come into his presence, uh, that because of that, now that we've been justified through the blood of Jesus, now we can, we, we've been declared uh, righteous or we've been declared um, innocent of all those charges. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, Satan is called the accuser of our brothers um, and that this accuser accuses us day and night before our God. And then the Lord Jesus steps into this legal courtroom and he says on our behalf, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, that he's our advocate with the Father. That is, he speaks to the Father on our behalf and on our behalf he says, hey look, not because of what they did, not because of their philanthropy, but because of my shed blood on the cross, now this person is justified, now this person is declared righteous to come into the presence of a holy God. And furthermore, the Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17, that God will remember our sins and our lawless deeds how long? No more. Never again will they be brought up. Never again will some skeleton fall out of the closet that God's going to say, uh-oh, hold on here just a second. I covered all these sins, but what about this one over here? 
The Bible tells us that he remembers our sins no more. No longer will our sins count against us ever again. Now that you understand what it means to be justified, to be made righteous in God's sight, I want you to understand that there's a whole host of benefits that come out of this new relationship we have. And the first of those, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, tells us, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, again, that the Bible says that we have this. It's not something that's um, a hopeful that we'll get there, but rather that we have this justification, we have peace with God. Now, there's a distinction between having peace with God and having the peace of God. Those are two phrases that occur, and there's two different distinctions of meaning there, peace with God and the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Do not be anxious or worrisome about anything, but instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then it says, verse 7, and what are the next three words? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, friends, the peace of God is that inner calm, it's that inner tranquility that we experience from the Lord's presence. When we lay our burdens down at his feet, we have this sense of calm, we have this sense of peace, we have this sense of assurance that God holds all these things in our hands. And so when we surrender our will over to him, we then experience the peace of God. But friends, the peace with God is something completely different. Um, It's good also, but it is something completely different than that inner tranquility. The peace with God talks more about the state of our relationship with him. Basically, it's a peace treaty that has been declared between ourselves and a holy God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 says that the wrath of God is against us. This is before we become a Christian, before we're a believer, at the time when we have not accepted the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for the remission of our sins. Before that ever happens, God declares that he has, his wrath is against us. John chapter 3 and verse 36 says that the one who rejects Jesus will not see eternal life, for the wrath of God remains on him. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 says, Before we accept Jesus, we are darkened in our understanding and alienated or separated from the life of God. And finally, Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 says that before we accept Jesus, before we become believers, that we are God's enemies. Friends, these images are images of God is this holy God, this just God, and we are basically at war with him. That's what the Bible is declaring, that before we accept Jesus Christ's forgiveness for our sins, that before that happens, that we are at war with a holy God. But praise God for Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, which says, um, and through Jesus, we are able to make peace with God by the blood of the cross. Friends, when we trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, when we trust in him as our Savior, God declares an immediate peace treaty with us. He declares a ceasefire with us. Or it's even more than that. Um, we get, rather, the eternal, everlasting peace treaty. God basically pulls out the we smoke them peace pipe, right, and smokes the peace pipe with us and declares, hey, look, we're burying the hatchet forever. Never again will, there, will your sins be remembered Again, no longer are we enemies of God. No longer does the wrath of God hang over our heads, waiting for the day of our judgment. Um, The war between God's holiness and our sinfulness is over for good. So the bottom line is that when we still sin, and we will still sin, God doesn't say, well, I was at peace with them, but now because they've sinned, I'm at war with them. You see the difference here? God's peace doesn't wax and wane like that, depending on our behavior, depending on our performance. God doesn't say, hey, look, your performance has been bad this past week, so now I'm going to declare war against you again. Friends, that's not the way this works. 
Um, rather, the peace with God, this treaty with God, never changes. It never diminishes. It's always the same. It never fluctuates, regardless of how our everyday life is going. What this means is that no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we've been, no matter how much ugliness or hatred or deceit or impurity or violence or crime or profane living that we've been a part of, it means no matter how big of an enemy of God we were before we came to Jesus and declared his blood for our lives, that God justifies us, that God declares peace with us regardless of our past. It means that no matter how big of an enemy we were, that we are now in this right relationship with God. Are you getting this? This is good news, friends. This means that when you show up in heaven and Peter announces you into heaven and says, therefore, having been justified through faith, through our Lord Jesus Christ, this man or this woman has peace with God. That's what this scripture is saying. And when we walk into heaven, nobody's going to say, oh, 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 hold on, God, I got something I want to let you know about in case you didn't know about this. That there's no skeleton that's going to fall out of our closet. There's no sin that God's going to all of a sudden remember and say, oh, well, we've got to have to bring this one into view. There won't be one person who raises even the slightest objection. There won't be one person who raises the slightest disagreement with that verdict. Because Romans chapter 8 and verse 33 says, <clears throat> Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies so who is it then, verse 34, who is it then that is going to condemn? Who's going to bring a charge against you and I? Because God has declared peace with us, a treaty with us, that no longer are our sins to be remembered, but now that we're in this right, fixed relationship with him. The answer is nobody's going to do that. God has declared you and I justified because we are justified and acquitted of all charges. We now have peace with God. All right, let's summarize what we've learned so far. We've learned that there are some huge benefits that come from entering into this relationship with the Lord. Um, and that these relationship, this, these benefits are reserved for those exclusively, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, who have been justified through faith in the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And that one of those great benefits is that we have peace with God. And that there's not anything that we can do that's going to stop that peace from staying in place between us and him. We learn that there is a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. The peace of God is when the inner tranquility that we experience through life storms, which is good, and we can have that as well. But we've also learned that peace with God is a peace treaty that God declares between us and him because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of our good works, not because of our philanthropy, not because we deserve this peace with God, but because he gives it to us through what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. All right, well, that's as far as we want to go with our treatment of the subject for today, um, which means it's time for us to ask that question we ask every week around here. What difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, that sounds really good for when I get to go to heaven, right? That I have this peace with God, but what difference does that make to me now where I'm living today? How does that help me? How does that impact me in my life where I'm living right now? Well, let's talk about that. You see, God doesn't just stop by telling us that we have peace with him. God goes on to tell us, hey, here's what I want you to do now that you and I are at peace, now that you and I are no longer at war. Here's what I want you to do. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 tells us, it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That is, let us approach God. And how does God want us to approach him? What does it say in the verse? There's a good adjective there. Let us approach him with 
confidence, with confidence. I love how the King James Version says this. It says, come boldly before the throne of God. God wants for us to take this position of peace that has been established on our behalf between God the Father and us through Jesus, and he invites us to approach him and to do so with confidence. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not to approach God flippantly. We're not to reproach God like in some irreverent way, we're not to approach him disrespectfully. We are still dealing with the holy God, the omnipotent God of the universe here. Don't get me wrong. But yet God still invites us to come into his presence, despite how grand he is, to come into his presence and to do so with great confidence, to not approach him um, as a, a king or a master, but rather to approach him as our loving heavenly father whose arms are open wide. God says, you won't offend me. You won't offend me. You come to me. Listen, friends, every one of us has stuff going on in our lives that we need to come and approach the throne of grace boldly with. Stuff that we need to bring before God. Some of us need to bold intervention from the Lord on behalf of our finances. Some of us need bold intervention on behalf, on behalf of the Lord when it comes to our job situation. Some of us need bold intervention from the Lord when it comes to the health of our children or some personal relationship that we're involved in. Let me tell you, what I've learned from walking with the Lord for many, many years now, I've learned that bold answers often come from bold prayers. Bold responses from God often come from bold prayers that I'm praying. And bold prayers, friends, come from boldly approaching the throne of grace. It comes from listening to what God's doing. He's inviting us to come into his presence and to do so with confidence, friends. And when we do that, God then responds in his way. You don't have to be afraid to walk into God's presence with something that just seems like, man, I don't know if God would even take into this into consideration. God says, you come, you bring it before me. I'll do it. Just make sure, friends, that when you go there and they're asking, and when you go and ask God with confidence, that you do so for his glory, that you're not asking for, for you, for, 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 for things to be easier on you, but rather for God to get the glory. Um, not for you to get the spotlight, but rather for it to be shined on him. But if you have a legitimate need that <clears throat> will work out for the glory of God, then don't be bashful about bringing that before the Lord. Be bold. He invites us to do that. Friends, Jesus said that what is impossible with men is possible with God. So you take God up on his invitation and approach him. You've been given peace with God. And because there's peace, we can now approach him boldly with confidence. And God says, you come on in to me. Don't tell him about how to fix it. Don't tell him how you want him to take care of the problem. But just tell him, hey, Lord, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm struggling with. And I need for you to intervene in a supernatural way. And then you step back and you watch what God does. And my prayer, my hope is that as we approach God's throne boldly with confidence and bring before him big things that we need for him to accomplish in our life, that over the course of the coming year, our church will be telling story after story after story of the great and mighty things that God has done in our presence. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks so much for just reminding us today of who you are, of what you're capable of, and of what you're inviting us to. We thank you, Lord, that we have this peace that's been declared between us and you, that we don't have to uh, tremble in your presence, but that, Lord, we can come to you as our loving Heavenly Father who petitions us to bring our requests before you. 
Lord, even now as we share around this communion table, of, which reminds us of your shed blood and of your broken body, there are things in our lives, things in our family, where we need your intervention. We need supernatural power. And so, Lord, we just ask in the quietness of these moments that you'd hear those requests. And that we would speak them with confidence. You are listening. Lord, we give you this space. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to stir in our hearts, to pray the prayers, to invite your presence, to invite your intervention on our behalf. We pray these things in Christ's holy name.